thing. Cheryl McKee, alcoholic. Cheryl. Glad to be here, glad to be sober. I wanna thank uh, Anna for uh, inviting me to come here. Uh, very nice meeting. Uh, yeah, and uh, my neighbor who I just <laughs> met Friday. So, I, I, you know, that's how Alcoholics Anonymous works. I, um, I'm a re retired flight attendant, but I'd be in another state or something. And I, so one time I'm in Philly and I call this guy. I said, oh, you know, I'd like to come to the meeting tonight, blah, blah, blah. So then he calls me and tells me, well, Jedi Joe is going to come pick you up. And I'm, you know, where else but in Alcoholics Anonymous? Do you just get in the car with a stranger at a different state? And <laughs> Jedi Joe and go to an AA meeting, you know? So I don't know, but that's how it works. You know, we're, uh, you know, we're not strangers, you know? It's just like that. You know, you know somebody. And uh, yeah, I didn't have that before I got here at Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, you on Zoom, I hope you can see all my chins. <laughs> Got that? Yeah. More, more chins than a Chinese phone book. But uh, anyway. So uh, anyway, sorry. Um, so yeah, I like to start out with, uh, like this is a pretty intimate crowd or whatever. And like, you can see me right here. And I don't know if you've been in a meeting or speakers meeting or a business meeting or anything like that, but when the person is talking and they get going and they get that white stuff in their cracks, you know, it just, yeah, right? Gross. It just foams up and they're, and I don't know about you, but I can't look and I can't not look and it's just like, oh my God, and it gets bigger and it's going up here, down here, and uh, yeah, it's just the worst. And uh so periodically, I will do a crack check. <laughs> so uh, just for you guys, I do it for you guys. So if I see anyone motioning like that, I'll be like, oh my God. You know, I, like we just had a guy a couple of weeks ago, my home group is a uh, Seal Beach speaker meeting on Monday nights. And uh, we had a guy, uh, oh my Lord, just, oh, I, the worst case ever. <laughs> and, and, and I'm in the front row and everybody, because I, you know, usually start my talk with that. They're looking at me like, oh my God, what is Cheryl doing? And I, you know, I felt disrespectful because I couldn't look and I could not look. Anyway. So anyway, so I do it for you. That's why. So um, yeah. So let me know if you see anything go on there. So um, yeah. So uh, congratulations and uh, congratulations to you, Anna, and happy birthday to Bill. And uh you know, uh, thank Cody for doing a great job. Um, you know, I could tell just the way he talked that, uh, he, he, for one, he said yes. And it's like, you know, where I got sober, it's like, you know, you say yes. You know, I, I mean, I feel like newcomers have too many rights now. You know, it's like, oh, well, I don't really feel like doing that. It's like, well, we can't wait for you really to feel like it because you will be dead. Um, you know, it's like, um, you know, like, is any alcoholic ever going to be ready to like do your inventory? No, I, I will die getting ready. So, uh, I was just, uh, it was just understood that I was going to be doing the steps. <laughs> You're going to be doing these things, but anyway, let me back up a little bit. And, um, I do like to qualify cause I don't want you guys to think I'm an imposter up here sneaking into an AA meeting on a Sunday night. 
uh, yeah. So, uh, so uh, yeah, I like to drink. And, uh, you know, I always drink the same way. I don't remember when I had my first drink. It was always around our house. Uh, my dad, uh, he used to make beer. I didn't, I don't know if it was legal or not. We lived in Washington State. I actually was born up there. And, um, but he would make beer and uh, I would help him cap it. You know, like, it's kind of like Miller time, you know, you've done the work and now, now you get the payoff or whatever. And I mean, some of this stuff, like, it's not like the amber ales and things you see today, pumpkin beer and foo -foo, whatever kind of beer. Uh, like, uh, yeah, I never even had a Bud Light. They didn't even make Bud Light when I got sober. But anyway, yeah, that is some time ago. And um, anyway, you know, sometimes like you hear the bottles exploding in the middle of the night, you think, oh, my God, a good batch, you know, and uh, I'm sure I didn't think that I was a little kid. But anyway, but uh, whenever uh, alcohol was offered to me, I took it. And the, the thing that I remember most about uh, any time uh, drinking was uh, like that I want more. I, I, I want more and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get more. And um, and uh, so I do that. I mean, that was my whole uh, my whole uh, drinking history was just uh, you know I was uh, well you don't know I was raised in an alcoholic home and there was all the abuses going on there and uh, so I just had a lot of shame and guilt and remorse and uh, you know you. I mean, now things are more popular to tell, but uh, back then, like you didn't tell people stuff. And, um, you know, so I just felt, uh, you know, uh, just not right, like all the time. And uh, so uh, anytime I had an opportunity to drink, uh, you know, I did. And um, I don't know about you guys, but I, like, I don't drink for the taste. Like if it tastes good, bonus. But it doesn't have to, <laughs> you know, because I do drink essentially for the effect produced by alcohol. I, I'm not drinking to uh, like, um, you know, I never I, I skipped the whole social drinking thing. You know, I never, you know, had wine with dinner. I have wine instead of dinner. Uh, I don't understand. Like, why do you ruin your buzz with food? Why? It is a waste. And um you know, and I, I don't know, back in, back in the day, they used to have like, um, like a low and brow commercial is like two couples with the six pack going to the beach. And I'm thinking, what are you going to be doing with that? I mean, really a six pack for four people? What? <laughs> and, um, you know, and I'm the kind of alcoholic where I'm going to, I'm going to drink one of the ones really fast and I'm going to get one of the other ones and then hope someone is going to the store for more you know because I need more because I need to get finished and um so I don't know uh like just reality was so uncomfortable for me that uh you know I just wanted to drink to be out of reality and I was a pass out and about and a blackout drinker and if you knew or not knew or you know white claw drinker whatever it is uh, <laughs> You know, and, uh, uh, I don't know when I, uh, when I was out there, I didn't really understand. I, I know like passing out, like you pass out. So, you, you know, you're not busy. You're not doing anything. You're just, you're not really sleeping, but you're not up. busy. Yeah. 
And then there's blackout drinking where only your head is down there and your body is up uh, busy. <laughs> and mine would be busy. And, um, you know, sometimes I come out of a blackout. I, one of the first things I identified with uh, someone in the first meeting I went to was a guy was talking and he said, he never came out of a blackout doing anything nice, not donating to charity, helping an old lady across the street, anything <laughs> like that, or some demoralizing, degrading situation. That's how I always came out of a blackout. One time I come out of a blackout, uh, well, what are you doing? Uh, well, you said I could. And it's like, well, I'm here now and I've changed my mind. And so get off me. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, I do like to drink and work with others. Uh, so that's what I do. And, um, you know, when I, I don't know, I'd, I'd end up in places. And, um, uh, you know, uh, back then, you know, and sometimes maybe a motel. And where they had matches in the ashtray, you look at that. Oh yeah, Tijuana. That's where I am. So, uh, <laughs> but I didn't know where I was, you know. And it's like you, you know, you come out of a blackout like you're walking down the street, walking down the street. Am I going there? Am I coming back from there? And like, where is there? I don't know. And I would, it would just be so frightening to me that I would have to drink, and. Um, you know, uh, like those things happen to me every time I drank. Um, one time I, uh, I woke up in the morning and uh, I must have had a fairly festive evening and uh, I had like scratches all over my rear and I'm like, oh my God, like what happened, you know? And um, so it's not like you can just call around and say, hey, you know what happened to my ass last night? Uh, so no. Um, Anyway, but I did actually do that. And finally I got to someone who said, oh, do you remember when you peed in the sticker bush last night? I'm like, hallelujah. So, because it could have been so many other scenarios, you know? And, um, and uh, you know, in light of all those things that happen to me, every time I drink, it's still, uh, because I have alcoholism, it, uh, it occurs to me that, you know, this time is gonna be different. Uh, you know, I'm only gonna, you know, drink light beer or, or whatever it is, you know, whatever you tell yourself. And, um, but, you know, I don't know, I, uh, I, I drank in bars, uh, not for very long, cause I got sober when I was pretty young, but, uh, you know, I, like, I don't drink in nice bars cause, you know, they want you to be nice. And I can't guarantee that when I drink. And, um, you know, they want you to maybe sit on your bar stool and not uh, hit someone with your bar stool on the way out. So, um, so I don't, I, I can't take that kind of pressure. So I don't drink in those kind of places, you know. Um, the last bar that I drank in, uh, that, there was a horse in there. And, and you know, <laughs> don't go to Tijuana all you you know, people out there watch certain websites, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a category, but anyway, uh, so uh, yeah, it was just, it would just seem like it was just okay for this horse to be in there. So uh, I don't know, it's just, uh, I don't know, uh, back when I was uh, drinking, getting loaded, it was kind of like, um, 
one of the things that like you got to maintain, you know, you got to maintain. It's like, no, I don't want to maintain. Maintaining is what I do in between drinking. I'm just trying to suck it up long enough till I can, till I can drink again to get that, you know, that sudden ease and comfort that comes at once at, at, at taking a couple of drinks. And um, are you looking to time me out already over there? It's like, where's the, where's the hook one? <laughs> where's that one? I don't see that one in here. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's, uh, I don't know. I guess I should back up a little bit. But, uh, you know, I just, uh, I just drink because I can't stand being sober. You know, just sober was just too unbearable, just too uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, uh, alcohol, you know, uh, I, you know, took everything away from me. I didn't really have anything, but it, whatever I did have, it took. And, uh, you know, at, towards the end of my drinking, like I was embarrassing my lower companions for God's sake, you know, um, anyway, not the horse though, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, he, he was, a, uh, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I just thinking about, uh, you know, about what Cody was sharing about, you know, saying that prayer and stuff. And there was a guy in our area, uh, Frank Honeycutt, he's passed away, but he used to, you know, talk about how, um, you know, you have to drink like you're taking your next breath and all of a sudden, like the next day, like you don't have to do that anymore. Like what happened? Did I, wh what did I do to manifest that, to bring that about? I, I didn't. I don't have any power to do that. And, uh, you know, I took advantage of, uh, you know, a moment of grace, you know, um, you know, they talk about moments of clarity and I just, I don't think I just had one kaboomy moment of clarity and, oh, um, it was, it, it was just like a series of things, you know, happened and, uh, you know, like realizing I couldn't eat anymore. I couldn't hold a job and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, all the, even though in the conditions that I was raised in, like I still knew right from wrong and stuff. And when, when I drink, you, you know, you have whatever moral fiber you have. And when I drink, uh, I go against all that. So then, you know, I have the guilt, the shame, the remorse, and, uh, and I have to drink again to get rid of that. And, um, anyway, uh, oh Lord, where was I? somewhere here in crack check no no say it isn't so there better not be i'll die can you, can you zoomer see that don't look anyway um so i don't know what i'm talking about here uh yeah yes lisa bars yeah that's not where i left off but thanks for that tip. <laughs> So, so someone wants to hear more about sleazy bars. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, um, yeah, I did drink a sleazy bars. That I, I don't know. Um, God, it was just I, I, I'm just insanity. I, like the last night, I drank, I drank everything, and um, and I remember I could still tell time. And it's like, oh my God! I looked at the clock and I thought. Oh my God, like I'm not drunk enough. I'm not drunk enough to go home and pass out. And I'm going to have to be alone, like with my head with me. 
and um, like, and it was too much for me. And um, um, I don't know, I, uh, uh, you know, I, I, oh, I guess I should, I, since I have time, I'll tell you about my roommate I had, my last roommate before I uh, got sober. Uh, he liked to do the dry goods and uh, he, uh, he had his own business and an airplane and he was a skydiver and all this stuff. And we lived at this place in, in uh, Long Beach where, um, you know, the house is like the lights are on, the TV's on, but the sound is down. You don't answer the door or the phone and God forbid there could be a morsel of food concealed around there anywhere, you know? And um, usually after a couple of days or something, I would, um, I would tell Dennis, it's like, oh my God, like I'm hungry. And, uh, <laughs> and, and he'd say, oh, food makes me sick. It's <laughs> like, oh my God, I gotta get away from this guy. And um, anyway, he had another thing he liked to do. He liked to do, uh, laughing gas and uh so he would uh he would sit on the couch with a tank like no regulator or anything just the threads like right in his mouth <laughs> just every couple of seconds you you know and they laugh because that's what you do and uh i remember uh the one time he said he said he said well he did that and he laughed and he said cheryl he said I've been doing this for 18 hours straight. He said, anybody else that would do this for this long would be dead. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to get away from this guy, you know? <laughs> and um, and I, uh, I intuitively knew that I could not afford uh, cocaine. <laughs> and I thought, like, I can't even stay drunk. How am I going to do this? I, I can't. And, um, you know, so I would, uh, you know, turn it down if it was offered. Every once in a while, I'd have it and like I come home to the little um, dry goods party and I don't know about you guys, but that stuff makes me thirsty. And then, so I'd have to be at the bar at, you know, six in the morning and, uh, you know, fall off the back of the bar. stool. yeah, I fell off the back of the bar. stool. some, some of my lower companions picked me up and then I did a face plant and uh, yeah, looking sharp. And then, uh, so my roommate, I hear him say, you know, Cheryl, you got to get up and, you know, go to work because I got to go to work because I got to make money because I have to drink. And um, and then, you know, if, if you're trying to prove to yourself that you're not an alcoholic, that's, you know, that's one of the things you can do. Another thing was my dad, he I, I knew what an alcoholic was, an alcoholic's my dad. He puts whiskey in his coffee in the morning as long as I'm not doing that. I'm not an alcoholic, you know. Of course, I'm doing all this other stuff, but no whiskey in the coffee. And then, um, you know, morning drinking is not really morning drinking. If you're just still up, <laughs> you know, that's just, that's just like, you're not done yet. You haven't finished yet. So that doesn't really count. And then Sundays is a good day. <laughs> this is funny because my, one of my neighbors, um, <laughs> he was, uh, he had some NyQuil or whatever today. And, and he said, oh, I got I got to take the night wall early so I can get to bed early because he's got it. And that was my thinking about uh, drinking. Like on Sundays, you got to drink early so you can get to bed because you got to go to work on Monday, you know? And I just thought, oh my God. And now this is the neighbor that told me that uh, he found out how young I was when I got so many. He said, well, you just didn't give alcohol a chance. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I, th I think I did. But um, anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I'm there with the, this roommate and, um, 
so I had my uh, my face plant and all that stuff. So he tells me, uh, you know, you got to go to work. So I go to work and my my boss looked at me and I, I, I think what started that night is like I didn't drink while I was working because everyone knows if you drink while you're working, you're an alcoholic. <laughs> but if the boss tells you you should try Uzo, well, then that's OK. So I tried that and uh, I didn't uh, ring up the register. I think I bought drinks for everybody and uh, like on the bars tab and all that. <laughs> So my boss was not happy with me. So, uh, you know, he he just looked at me and and then he, he said, need I say more? I was like, well, you, you didn't say anything, but OK, no, you don't need to say anything else. And so um, so I went home that night and I thought, well, I'm just going to put on my jammies, go to bed just like I thought I could, you know. And uh, so I did that. And uh, about an hour into that, I thought oh my God, I'm having a heart attack. Like I'm dying. I'm having a heart attack. And uh, so I go knock on my roommate's door. <laughs> Dennis, I'm having a heart attack. You need to take me to the hospital called paramedics. He didn't want anybody coming there because he's very paranoid. And uh, yeah, so so I tell him what's going on with me. <laughs> and then he said, Cheryl, he said, I feel like that every day. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I got to get away from this guy. <laughs> so, so anyway, so he... Um, he finally humored me and took me to the hospital. And then they said, you know, we don't have any coffee or, you know, smoke or any of the fun things. They said, you know, don't do any of those things. And and my keen alcoholic mind said, well, it couldn't have been the booze because I didn't have any today. And I didn't know that I had passed that point where I had a choice about drinking and that, um, that I didn't have a choice about drinking, that I that I had to drink, um, you know, and what I was experiencing was alcohol withdrawal. And I didn't know that that had happened. And um, anyway, I don't know, I, uh, anyway, so back the last night I drank, I drank everything I could, I could still tell time. And I, I remember telling them at the bar, it's like, uh, uh, when I was leaving, it's like, you'll never see me in here again. And I don't even know where that came from. And I went home and, uh, you know, in the, in the doctor's opinion, it talks about the alcoholic who's always over remorseful, always making a resolution, but never a decision. And for me, I think the difference between making a resolution and a decision is when I made a decision, I had to take some action. I had to do something. And for me, what I had to do was ask for help. So it was a, uh, recommended to me that I go into a place and dry out and I agreed that I was a little damp and maybe I should go dry out somewhere and um you know and and like Cody I uh you know I uh I stayed home that night at my mom and dad's and then in the morning I uh you know went in the shower to get ready to go and and um I just started crying and I just asked God help me do whatever it is I have to do wasn't making any deals and promised to be a saint, anything like that. Just help me do whatever it is I have to do. And uh, I have been sober from that day to this day. And that date was July 16th, 1981. And for all you math enthusiasts out there, that's like a little over 40 years. So that's a long time without an adult beverage or any non-habit forming crack or, 
white, white claw or whatever other kind of pumpkin beer or I, I don't know. See, I never had a Zima, like so many things. Like, uh, you know, I would just be dead the first day because there's just so many things I would have to try. It's like, oh yeah, I never had that. Never had that. But uh, anyway, uh, so, uh, you know, so, you know, I, I asked for help and help came and I ended up going into Long Beach General Hospital and uh, my doctor was actually Dr. Paul, who, you know, acceptance guy. And uh, yeah, so it was that, that long time ago. And um, anyway, so uh, I don't know, some of the, the first things that I heard was like, you don't say no to an AA request, you know, you don't say no. and uh, I dropped out of school because I had to give an oral book report. So there was like no way that I'm reading from a podium, sharing, doing any of those things. That That is not happening. And I would just think to myself, I remember them giving this the stats, you know, it's like maybe one out of, you know, 50 are going to make it or something. And I remember thinking, I hope it's me. I didn't think it was going to be me because I didn't think I had what it took to do what Alcoholics Anonymous was asking me to do. And um, anyway, so, um, you know, people are volunteering to read and doing all this. I'm just like, yeah, I just, I don't think I'm gonna be able to do this. But anyway, so an AA panel came in there and uh, the woman called on me and uh, there was like a curtain petition, sort of like that. And the microphone, she had me the microphone. I took the microphone behind the curtain yeah. came out I asked if they want to hear any jokes and uh yeah I mean I you know I was a bar drinker we weren't really talking about our feelings out there and so I, I you know I didn't even learn like what my feelings were until hearing people in Alcoholics Anonymous talk about things or they felt inadequate or it's like oh is that what I was doing because I didn't know I was just a jumbled up mess I had no idea what I felt and um so, uh, you know, the takeaway from that is that, uh, that I said yes, and as, as afraid as I was, embarrassed, how I, whatever it was, I did what I was asked to do. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, saying yes has uh, kept me here in Alcoholics Anonymous. I, you know, I do the same stuff, you know. New people have to do. I have to be accountable. I have a sponsor. I have to read stuff. I have to meditate. I have to, you know, find people troll at the dog park for speakers. And uh, I, I just, you know, whatever it is, like I, I don't get a, you know, I don't get a hall pass, you know. And, um, you know, I don't know what thing I can leave out either. I, am I willing to take that experiment? No. Um, Anyway, I, uh, you know, got sober. I went into uh, a Little House Woman's Recovery Home in Bellflower, and I, uh, I got sober at the Bellflower Big Book Group, and I'm so grateful for that meeting because it gave me a foundation, and um, it taught me how to conduct myself in Alcoholics Anonymous and, uh, you know, to have respect for the thing that's saving my sorry ass life, you know, to sit there, not wander around, uh, be respectful, um, you know, clean up, uh, you know, those kind of things. And, uh, you know, I owe Alcoholics Anonymous and I'm so glad that it was like instilled in me that 
like I got nothing coming. You know, I did nothing to warrant the gift of sobriety. I was doing, I wasn't out there doing good deeds and all that stuff to have the gift of sobriety. And, um, you know, and yet here I am and, uh, you know, and I didn't bring that about, um, you know, but I have been uh, willing to do what I'm asked to do and to show up here. And uh, whether I like it or not, whether I feel like it, you know, I didn't really particularly feel like coming down here tonight either. I know it's hard to believe, but um, <laughs> anyway, but uh, you, you know, I get, I get the payoff, you know, uh, showing up here. Um, I don't know what you guys get, but anyway, uh, I get to save sober another day. And um, I don't know. So um, yeah, I, uh, I've been through a lot of life on life's terms, sober. I mean, I've married, divorced, and uh, I met my husband at a, at a um, he was still wearing a wristband. And uh, anyway, yeah. We got married on a Thursday night after Lamaze class. And uh, yeah, so like that. But uh, anyway, we have two sons and, uh, you know, I just, uh, we've been divorced a long time and he remarried and, uh, you know, uh, he has uh, twin girls and stuff. And anyway, we just, uh, we've actually uh, been traveling together. Yeah, interesting. So the husband and wife-in-law and myself, we, it did a cruise uh, in Greece in August, and we just got back from a cruise from the uh, Caribbean uh, actually last Saturday. So, you know, how does that happen? You know, Alcoholics Anonymous uh, principles. And it wasn't instantly like that, you know? Um, but, you know, I, I learned stuff here, you know, that you have to act better than you feel and, uh, you know, show up and, you know, the world uh, does not judge your motives. It judges your actions. You know, I can have the very worst motives, but if my actions are good, I'm okay. And I can have the very best of intentions, but if my actions are not good, you know, that's what I'm judged on. So, and um, yeah, so, I mean, it hasn't all been hats and horns since I got here, you know, there's been stuff and uh, 10 minutes. Okay. And then, and then the hook. Um, uh, anyway, so uh, after my divorce, I had to figure out what I was going to be when I grew up. And uh, uh, I had a friend of mine, I was actually over at the Hawaii convention. And there was a friend of mine there uh, was a flight attendant. And um, he said, Well, have you ever thought about being a flight attendant? Uh, nope. And um, and then his wife called me like that following Monday or something. Is it, oh, they're doing like a cattle call interview or whatever in LA, like Tuesday or something. And I, you know, and I showed up and, um, you know, uh, I, I remember I, I, a friend of mine worked in, I think, uh, I don't know, Studio City or somewhere out there. And I went and interviewed at her place. I said, because I found out that, if I got hired, I was going to have to relocate to New Jersey. And I thought, I don't want to go to New Jersey. I've seen pictures. I don't want to go there. And uh, so, so, yeah. And um, yeah. So uh, anyway, I, I remember telling this woman, it's like, if you don't hire me, I'm going to have to move to New Jersey. And, uh, and off I went to New Jersey. 
So, uh, you know, and I wasn't uh, so at, at the time they said, well, I'll probably go to New Jersey like a year and do my time, you know, blah, blah, blah. I transfer back out to L.A. and, you know, uh, I'd be reserved the rest of my life, but I'd be at home and OK, OK, DTD. So I just, you know, went and um, and then I was only flying like six months when September 11th happened. So that pretty much turned everything upside down for Cheryl's plan. But, uh, but it changed a lot of people's uh, plans that day. But um, anyway, I remember like when I was first there, I, I have a friend of mine, she, she, um, she was dating a guy and uh, I don't know, he was living in a cardboard box on the street and he came up with like uh, physicians in AA or something like that. And they, they sent him out, they flew him out to like Turtle Bay in Hawaii or something. And, and it's like, here, like I'm 14 years sober and I'm in Bayonne, New Jersey. I'm like, <laughs> really? Like, how is this fair, you know? And um, so I was in a, a, I was in a, what they call a crash pad. That's, you know, where, you know, a lot of flight attendants, you know, sleep there and share there. And I don't share good. And so that wasn't so good. But um, anyway, I remember thinking, you know, God, like, if you got something for me to do, like, you better give it up because this is, this is not okay with me. And uh, so I, uh, they offered shuttle service there. So uh, I went to do my first trip and I met these people on the van and uh, we were on this trip together and, you know, we had good rapport or whatever. And then we ended up on the next trip together. And uh, me not being very anonymous, uh, you know, I said, oh, well, you know, blah, 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 I'm going to be sober, you know, 19 years or whatever it was. Uh, and the guy that I'm on the van with, he said, oh, I'll have two years in May. It's like, okay, okay, you know, I can do this now. And, uh, you, you know, I went to my, um, there was a guy in Long Beach who, who knew a guy in New Jersey and um he took me to my first meeting and then he introduced me to another lady. And, you know, that's how, that's how Alcoholics Anonymous works. And, uh, you know, we lose a lot of people, uh, when they move sometimes just from another town, it's like, Oh, they don't do it like my group did or blah, blah, blah. Cause wherever you got sober, you think that's where they're doing it. Right. Well, they're doing it right. A lot of places, you know, and in New Jersey, they didn't really care how we did it in California. <laughs> but um, but whatever they were doing was working for them. And, you know, I'm an alcoholic, and so I got to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. I remember one time uh, uh, I, I had a roommate who was in AA, and um, she said, oh, yeah, this is when I was in Bayonne, New Jersey. And, and she, she said, well, yeah, the ladies really like you and stuff, but they just don't think you're serious about sobriety. It's like... <laughs> really? Would I be going to meetings in Bayonne, New Jersey, if I wasn't serious? <laughs> yeah. You know, come on. Anyway, um, so it ended up, you know, being, a, a, you know, a good experience. And, um, you know, I ended up, uh, you know, coming back here like eight years ago. Five more minutes. Okay. I'm going to start making up some stuff now. But uh, <laughs> anyway, my uh, yesterday, uh, uh, we had a shower for my oldest son and his daughter uh, and my daughter-in-law and uh, they're going to make me a grandma in the end of December and I'm very happy about that and um, and then uh, my youngest son 
uh, he got sober briefly, uh, like in January, he was sober about six months or something. And now he's, now he's not. And, uh, you know, it, it's strange how your heart can be so full and so heartbroken at the same time. Sorry. But, um, I don't know. I, um, you know, I, I say a little prayer. I, you know, I turn their will and their lives over to the care of God. I, um, I just, um, you know, tell God, ask God, whatever I, you know, say that I'm, I'm placing them unreservedly in your care. And then I pray that they'll seek you in their own lives. And I know in order for that to happen, that some stuff has got to happen because you don't just turn to God when things are good, you know, there's going to be some stuff happen. And so, you know, the scary part as a mom is like, what does that look like? What's that going to be? And, um, yeah. So I have to just, you know, stay in the now and, um, you know, as long as they're breathing, there's hope, you know, and, um, I don't know, my, my life's pretty good today. I, you know, I'm, uh, I, I, uh, retired from the airline. So I have a, I had a cat and then, um, I thought, Oh, now I can have a dog. <laughs> oh Lord. What was I thinking? And, um, <laughs> Anyway, I, like when I was thinking of getting a dog, I like I googled dogs for lazy people. It's like, <laughs> it's like but um, but anyway, I I ran into this uh, this couple in the mail room, and they had these two little puppies, and they were palm cheese. Like, oh, they're so cute, blah blah blah. Oh well, you know they just had more, and blah blah blah. And um, anyway, so. Uh, my cat, I have a black cat and his name is Loki. And so I want a white cat. I want to name him Thor. And um, so uh, when she showed me a picture of this letter, there was a little white one in there. I said, okay, that's Thor. So they just start calling Thor. And anyway, they did, um, at my vet, they did his 23 and Me. Uh, <laughs> turns out not a palm chi. Uh, he's a Pomeranian. 62% uh, Pomeranian, 25% Jack Russell, not a dog for lazy people, and, and, uh, and Pekingese, and, and it's like, he is a crackhead, <laughs> he is like, but, but he's so happy, <laughs> he just, my cat, not so happy, he just looks at me, he's like, why did you bring him here, <laughs> but anyway, so that, that's what I did, uh, with the COVID thing, I retired and got a puppy. So, um, and then I started baking. I bake out of my apartment and, uh, you know, so I just have a simple life and I just, you know, vacation with my husband and wife-in-law. So <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I don't know. I, I just, you know, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous works and it works uh, like I've gotten everything I've needed every day for over 40 years, maybe not all I wanted. You know, there's uh, my friend at the dog park, she said her sister talks about her muffin shop being closed. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, the muffin shop's closed. So uh, yeah, anyway, but you, you know, I could maybe reopen if I, you know, under new management or something, if I did find the muffin man, but anyway, <laughs> uh, that's another thing. So anyway, I just wanna thank you guys for listening and keep coming back.